say we did to um, make something up yeah <laughs> they go yeah and then and then, yeah. <laughs> and then there's some cops and a bunch of da, 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 da. and then and then and then uh, vin diesel sitting in a rocking chair and then all, all these crows land on him and then he's just not there <laughs> wow that was the best ending to one of the fast and the furious movies ever yeah yeah um it made Tokyo Drift worth it just for that scene at the very end. Yeah. The crows come down and he disappears. <laughs> the rest yeah. of the movie, you're like, what is this? What's going on? Who are these people? Who but then are it all these comes people? together when you see the crows. Ah, oh, I see. Tokyo Drift. <laughs> right. That's what it means. That's what it means. Yeah, they gave Vin Diesel a sky burial. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we start this thing? Yeah, have we been recording all this time? Uh, yeah, but there'll be, so. there'll be some good banter, I think. Banter. That's what the people come for, the banter. <laughs> yeah, they come for the banter, and they stay for the movie talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listeners, you're listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This is a podcast where we three friends get together and talk about a horror movie, which we will spoil. But first, we talk about Recently Watched, which we try not to spoil. And we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. You can find the music on Amazon or Apple Music, where you could uh, buy it digitally, and you can say hello to them on Facebook, where they are the Moon-Rays. And it's worth mentioning, we're not professional critics, we're just your hosts. I'm Richard, I'm here with Jolien. Hello. And Will. Hello. Guys, anyone want to start recently watched? Well, we should mention two of us are going to be at the Colorado Festival of Horror. That is true. Um, September 10th. What's the abbreviation for that? COFO? COFO, I think. COFO? C-O-F-A-H. C-O stands for Colorado, and the Mm -hmm. Festival of Horror is the F-O-H part of it? Yep. I can't seem to keep that in my memory very clearly. I always have to stop and stammer through it. Kofo. Kofo. Not to be confused with Kofa. Or Coho The Salmon. Colorado Fa Festival. <laughs> or Mofo, which is an entirely different festival. Yes. Yeah. The Comofo. So, Jolien, you're going to be there uh, with an artist table full of your wares. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have some prints there, and I'll be doing a, a chat about my work on the Creep Show, and uh, also be at the um, draw off on Saturday night. Now, what happens with the draw off? Is it like a breakdance fight? Uh, yeah, basically, uh, it's like West Side Story, but with uh, markers. Oh yeah. Um, so uh, on these things, usually uh, you stand up on the stage, and they they yell out something for you to draw, and it. They give you two minutes or something. Hmm. And you do some really rubbish <laughs> drawings. And have you participated in these before? Yep. Uh, I usually do the one in um, Fort Collins. Oh, okay. So you you you've got uh, battle experience. Yes. Is Stan Yan going to be there? I don't know if he's going to be at this this show. I hope so. I mean, it's a local show. You'd think he'd be there. Yeah, it's a horror event. On he he does the uh, zombie in the basement. Yeah, uh, comics. Yeah, yeah. The uh, and and of course his booth he can zombify you in a caricature. Yeah, he he was the first to be doing that. The zombie car- caricatures and other people are doing it now. Yeah, or, or zombie couture's as he calls them. Mm-hmm. And he also does My Little Pony. Uh, he does pony couture's. Yes, so. yes. Anyone who can make it to the show, come to the show. I'll have my art there and uh, 
and the other stuff I make. And set here in Denver. Yep. It's uh, at four 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 Havana, I believe. It's a. It's uh, yeah, it's that way. Okay, 44th and Havana. <laughs> yeah, essentially. So it's not uh, it's not hard to get to for most people. You can just take I-70, I-70 and exit onto Havana and you're practically there. All right. Yeah. So, uh, what have you watched, Julian? And got any recently watched to share? Oh, loads. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I saw uh, well, I saw a. Crime Eve called the Brasher Doubloon. I've been waiting years to see oh, that one. Yeah. Uh, nine, 1947. Uh, directed by John Brahm. Um, stars George Montgomery as Philip Marlowe. It's based on The High Window by Raymond Chandler. Yeah. And uh, Nancy Guild is uh, Mel Davis. Uh, she was in uh, Avon Costello Meet the Invisible Man. Um, this is the second version of The High Window. There's a version in 42. Mm-hmm. But this is like more faithful. It's got some, you know, really snappy dialogue. Oh, and, nice! Um, it's got some really expressionistic angles on it. Yeah, I've not seen this. I've seen the forty-two one. Yeah, and I really like the book. That's mm-hmm. probably one of my favorite of the Marlowe stories. Yeah, uh, just because the way he describes uh, Mission Hill in Los Angeles and how. Even then, in the forties, it was a dump mm-hmm. by that time because it had been like the rich, ritzy neighborhood. Yes, uh, when you know L.A. was young, mm-hmm. turn of the century, and uh, just his descriptions are fantastic. Yeah, it's got that line in there about uh, it used to be like this posh area, but uh, the only people who live there now are the ones who can't afford to live anywhere else. Yes, yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, but basically, I, I watched a whole bunch of uh, Jean Roland films because I'm doing a project. Oh. Uh, related to him. Okay. Uh, he's a he. He did a whole bunch of poetic, dreamy movies. He, he's best known for his vampire movies. Oh. Okay. Usually featuring two women in negligee walking around cold-looking cemeteries at night and, and ruined chateaus and things. Okay. Um, yeah, talk about recurring themes and there's, there's stuff in there again and again. People usually end up on the beach at Dieppe. Mm. Um, but there, there was a... Uh, I, so I'd seen all the vampire ones, but there's uh, the non-vampire ones I had to catch up on. Uh, so uh, Fascination from 1979 um, stars uh, Brigitte uh, Lahaye, um, Franck as Eva and Elizabeth, and they live together in a chateau, and a thief named Mark turns up there. Um, gold thieves have fallen out, and Mark escapes to the chateau where a couple, this couple of women live, and they keep telling him that he should leave before dark. Mm. But uh, as you can guess by the title, he he does not. Um, lots of psychological and sexual games ensue. Um, there's a there's that iconic image of uh, Brigitte Lahey with a scythe, um, but uh, yeah, Jean Roland, he's he's more into mystery and uh, imagery than plot and events. He sounds fantastic. Yeah, um, so it's like uh, uh, Jess Franco. You've got to watch a few of them before it clicks. I think that you what realize it, it, it that with what, me. what yeah. they're doing. Yeah, it's like the first time you watch one of his films. It's like, what's what's this? <laughs> Is he serious? Yeah. Is, he... is this incompetent or is it brilliant? I don't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you gotta love when stuff straddles that line. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Fascination is definitely one of his best. Um, it's got... Uh, it even got good reviews in France at the time, but uh, uh, he, he had such bad luck with distribution. Like um, with this film, he got he actually got good reviews but then this uh, vengeful distributor killed the release of it, so that by the time it got out, everyone had forgotten the good reviews. <coughs> it just disappeared. Um, mm. Yeah, his, his debut film was uh, *Rape of the Vampire*, and what happened with that was this uh, American producer had had um, this early '40s film called *The Dead Walk*. I think it's with George Zuko. Okay. And uh, so he had this. This fairly short 
cheap American horror movie from the 40s. And he knew that Jean Roland had done short films and, and um, documentaries by this point. And he said, uh, could you do like 20 minutes of vampire action? We could edit it in, into this film from the 40s and re-release it in Paris. So, so he went ahead and, and made, made like this, this, this movie. And then the producer said, oh, this is so good. Why don't you make... Uh, another half of a movie and then we can patch it together and and bring it out as your own movie so that's what he did so that he was this roger corman <laughs> that sounds like yeah. a roger corman yeah, definitely. thing um so, so they ended up releasing this movie and there's like a, at the start it says this is in two parts do you need to adjust it it's, no, no, it's no, sounding it's, it's, a little it, fuzzy yeah i think it's fine now okay um so yeah that was, that was his debut feature film his original debut feature film he was going to do, the lead actor died, so they had to give up on that. Oh, what a show-off. Uh, and then, then when uh, when his actual debut came out, it was May of 1968 in Paris, you can imagine. Oh, no. Um, like the theatres, uh, uh, you know, they report um, that you'd be sitting in the audience and you'd just be like tear gas drifting around. And, yeah. Um, from all the writing going on at the time. Oh, that's can't hear the dialogue from all the chanting outside, <laughs> yeah. yelling. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, riots ensued in, in the theatres and so oh, on. Cause, yeah. Because his, his film was so weird. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, another one, uh, Lips of Blood. This is 1975. This is another really good one. Um, so uh, a photo and a perfume ad reminds this guy named Frederick of a mysterious childhood encounter with a beautiful woman in a, in a castle. And then he goes out and he sees a Roland film. People, people often have Roland posters or they go to see Roland films in Roland films. And uh, so he goes to see the nude vampire. And then the woman appears again, like this door opens beside the screen and she... So mm-hmm. you're like watching the film and her at the same time. And then she lures him into this crypt in this uh, one of these massive French cemeteries, and um, but it's, it's got this really great. Uh, it's like ten minute sequence of uh, wandering around in Paris at night, and there's like vampires. There's an assassin who turns up for some reason. There's these beautiful fountains and ruins and statues. It's just uh, oh, these it's so dreamy. Great. <laughs> um, the yeah, and he, and he often uses like a live sound. It's very naturalistic. I don't know if it was a budget decision or what, but you have all these like natural sounds. It's not like the kind of internal sound you get from Italian films. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, ironically, you can't do that sort of thing accidentally. Really, you have to be really careful about continuity of sound and the background. Yeah, sound. it's real hard to match. Yeah, that's why you do it you know in a recording booth right uh then i watched uh, his two short movies uh the yellow lovers from 1958 uh his uh debut from when he was 20 years old this is like a 10 minute film uh, basically a video for tristan corbier poems shot on the uh pouvel saint beach at dieppe of course you know from so from the very start <laughs> yeah um yeah it's about 12 minutes long um he had this really heavy camera called the monograph, but it, it so it was really awkward and hard to use, but it beautiful images. Um, he had to ch- change the camera batteries at the local toilets. <laughs> <laughs> um, then uh, another movie called the the Far Country. There's another short um, about a couple lost in the back alley ruins who become lovers. And this guy really no, he he never worked with a big budget at all tiny budgets but he you know he knew he never used special effects until his last movie um but he was just you know he knew how to work with the budget that's awesome uh then uh jumped to dracula's fiance from 2001 uh, he died in 2010 oh okay um so uh, this actress uh, her actual name is a Cyril godin but she calls herself Cyril east get it uh she plays isabel um there's a vampire a dwarf um an ogress um a crazy convent 
a pair of psychic vampire hunters, and they all attend the wedding of Dracula and his fiancée. Um, this has got quite comical bits in it, deliberately comical bits in it, but it's, it's just chock full of all the usual Roland stuff. Uh, Brigitte Lahaye is back in it as this wolf woman. Uh, it's got a climax with Cyril tied to a post in the in the tide on the beach at the end. <laughs> it just looks horrendously cold. Because uh, these women usually don't wear very much at all. And then uh, one of the films that probably people have seen more than any other is Zombie Lake, which is the worst. Oh, <laughs> um, isn't that always the case? Yeah. So this is from 1981, and this is directed by him and uh, Julien de la Sena. Um So, and it stars Howard Vernon, because cause it started as the Jess Franco project, and Jess Franco walked off of it. Oh, oh that says a lot right there. Yeah. <laughs> so he walked off of it, and then, so Roland was called in, and he was reading the script. He was, he was like, packed, and he was going to go off on holiday. So, and then he was called in to, to do Zombie Lake, and he was reading the script you know, as he was on his way to the set. Um, didn't know what it was about. Um, didn't really understand it. Um, so it it turned out really terribly. Mm. <laughs> but it, it's so bad. <laughs> so is it bad to the point of avant-garde when you watch it? No, it's, it's bad <laughs> to the point of funny uh, on several <laughs> occasions, but then there's like these long stretches, especially in the first half, where it's just dull. Mm. Uh, it's just Howard Vernon sitting around talking to somebody that's too mm. bad um, and then he also a similar situation with uh, a, another Jess Franco movie called uh, A Virgin Among the Living Dead which is one of the best Jess Franco movies but he, he'd done this movie back in 71 and then in 1980 Italian zombies were all the rage so they had uh, Roland come in and shoot 10 minutes of zombie action Mm. patch it into this old uh, Jess Franco movie and re-release it as Virgin Among the Living Dead. Um, and it's utterly seamless, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's just put in there as a nightmare sequence where these uh, zombies rise out the leaves in a forest and they chase around this woman who's really careful to hide her face all the time. Um, as a professional choice. Yeah. I mean, if you want to see uh, a Jean-Roland zombie movie when he's actually bothered about it, uh, check out Grapes of Death. It's okay. Good. <laughs> nice play on words. Uh, yeah, it's about poisoned, you know, horror of horrors in France. Like a vineyard is. Oh. Got these chemical sprays which turn people into zombies. Oh, that sounds good. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, the escapees from 1981. Um, Michelle and Marie escape a rural asylum. Uh, they join an exotic dance troupe who perform in a junkyard. Uh, they go skating, they hang out at a bar a lot, they go to a villa. Um, uh, this one he, he wasn't comfortable with because it was, a, it was it's kind of a thriller. Uh, there's no vampires or any horror stuff in it. Mm. Um, it's too much dialogue. Usually his films, there's vast stretches of no dialogue at all. But, so this one, he doesn't, he doesn't feel comfortable with it. Uh, it's got some really good bits in it. Um, real good uh, surreal images arising from a realistic story. Um, it's more of a road movie without a road. It's hmm. kind of drifts along. Uh, Brigitte Lahaye is in it again. Uh, she turns up as a slumming bourgeoisie. Um, and uh, Lost in New York, that's from 1989. This is like a less than an hour long. Um, this ex explicitly refers to Roland films as well as serials. He was really into the old serials. Mm. I mean, the French practically invented them. Uh, back in the, you know, as a, as a literary form. Yeah. Um, so this this refers to the mysterious Doctor Satan, and there's callbacks to Eyes Without Face and Moonfleet, etc., etc. Um, there's a Moon Goddess statue, which is the entry to uh, a, a land of a book of adventure, and then they they kind of go into the book and they turn up in New York. And, uh, <laughs> um, and, it, and there's like lots of filming around Chinatown. It's obviously, they didn't have a license or anything. It's just yeah. <laughs> gorilla filming around New York Chinatown and Rockaway Beach and Rector Street and so Times Square. They're showing like Running Man and Hidden and Howling Three. <laughs> um, uh, Killing Carl from 1989. This is really cheap. Uh, this is released in 1993. Uh, shot in 10 days on 16 millimeter, starring as model named Tiki Tsang 
she enters a scrapyard where there's a 57 Buick that's just gone on sale. She shoots the owner, uh, chases the his girlfriend, and kills other people as she goes. Um, and uh, is, this one is really episodic. Um, and there's usual Roland imagery of clocks and there's some New York City footage from um, Lost in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Two Orphan Vampires, this was a good one. Uh, adaptation of Roland's novel. A pair of orphans have become blind. Or they say they're blind. And uh, they're, they're in this orphanage uh, run by a bunch of nuns who are actually quite benign in this case. Um, there's more New York City footage. Um, the uh, the the orphans. Uh, you're not sure if they're actually vampires for quite a while, but they say they're vampires who have been reborn and destroyed and reborn over and over again. Um, they uh, they talk about their past lives. They fantasize about being goddesses and magicians. Um, they uh, drink the blood of a dog. Um, they. I mean, in, in his films, vampires are, can sometimes walk about by day, but they they have to avoid looking at the sun, so they have to cover their eyes. Hmm. Um, yeah, he has his own rules. <laughs> um, so they can see at night, but it's everything's blue. Um, uh, vampires, the, the vampire attacks usually quick nips. They're not like long blood sucking things oh. like you get in most movies. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't go for special effects, as I say. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a wolfman in it, and a ghoul in it. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, and then uh, Le Masque de la Meduse, which is the last one I saw, which is his last movie from 2009. Uh, it's about uh, Medusa and her sisters hanging out at the the Teatro de Gran Guignol. Okay. And. Uh, the the first half is pretty dull. It's like Medusa delivering these really long speeches, <laughs> and um, uh, so anyway, she has a falling out with her sisters, and she curses uh, Steno to lose her voice, and she uh, curses uh, Uriel to uh, uh, be blind, and then they they curse her in, in return. <laughs> so she's uh, uh, they're they're all busy cursing each other, and they wind up dead and. And then in part two, um, uh, Steno uh, lives in a crypt uh, with the bodies of her sisters and a hanged woman and a dwarf in a coffin. And a woman turns up and befriends Steno and tries to get her to leave. Hmm. So. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, a whole bunch of rolling. Wow. Will, you want to go ahead and go next? Sure. Um, what did I watch? Well, um... Uh, I watched TV. I only watched one movie. I watched a uh, Joe Bob Briggs uh, presents Dead and Buried. Oh, oh how was which that? It's a movie that I remember the box from, mm-hmm. and it was a giant box. It was one of those early VHS tapes that came in the giant box, and I remember it sitting there, sun faded, at the <laughs> video store. For years, I don't think anyone ever rented that movie, and so I saw the art scrolling through Joe Bob. Was it the one with the face in the? Uh huh. And you're like, I remember this being a lot more faded, a lot more cyan showing up, and all mm-hmm. the magenta's gone. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> so I watched it. It's uh, it's not terrible. It's got a pretty interesting plot, but it kind of, at some point, sort of doesn't go anywhere all right (laughs) (laughs) and that was gary sherman movies yes yes who directed poltergeist 3 um terrible terrible film Um, i've not seen that since it came out i think yeah i i don't remember anything about it. i know i've seen it when it came out because to check out what physical effects they did we should we should watch poltergeist 3 you say that, but do you really mean Have you thought it through? I watched Santa Shark or whatever. <laughs> oh, Santa Jaws. Santa Jaws. So, you... you Poltergeist t- 3. That's a walk in the park. Yeah. I watched something called Roller Gator once. Roller Gator. It's the worst thing I've ever Is seen. Is it an alligator on roller skates? 
pretty much. It's an <laughs> okay. inarticulate puppet on a skateboard. It's like, guys, here's what we have to make a movie. So Yeah, and it's filmed on digital, like with a handheld camcorder. And, uh... Oh, God. I think it's Joe Estevez shows up in it. You know, that's funny. And uh, he's clearly on something or off something or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something. Now, that's Martin Sheen's younger brother, right? Yes. Yeah. I lost a bet one time. I said, well, that's got to be Martin Sheen. Looks just like him. And I lost a bet to somebody who's like, that is not Martin Sheen. Emilio Estevez. Yeah, it was Emilio's dad. No, Martin Sheen's Emilio's it's dad. Emilio's, Emilio's uncle. uncle. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, Martin decided to not keep the family name. Cause right. he, he's Is he Ramon Estevez? I think is his real name. Yeah, I think something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or Estevez, if you want to say it that way. Estevez? Who says it that way? I don't know. People are... People Estevez. Are trying, <laughs> Estevez. Uh, yeah, people are trying to like pronounce things all correctly and getting it wrong while doing so. Yes. Anything else in your recently watched? Um, no, because I will save those for later. Okay. Uh, you know, I watch some TV and some YouTube crap. And, yeah, that happens. You know. Well, for me, um, I started watching. This is a rewatch, and I'll tell you why I'm rewatching it. <laughs> because I believe that there's a link between. JFK, UFOs, and Bigfoot. There's something... It's, it's obvious. It seems obvious, doesn't it? Um, no, I started rewatching Oliver Stone's JFK because I've been listening to uh, a JFK podcast that's a really good deep dive into the conspiracy angles. Ooh, what's it called? It's called... Hold on just a sec. Let me make uh, sure I get the... You named JFK Conspiracies here. Yeah. I'm all about that. I want to say it's called JFK, The Enduring Secret. Uh, Ooh, it's even got a good, terrible title. No, it's a good podcast. Oh, this this I, guy I, knows his stuff. Oh, man. And he's done a lot of research. So I'm going oh, to hand it to this guy. Yes, it's JFK, The Enduring Secret. And uh, this... Hold on a second. I'll give, you the, I'll give you all the information here in just a second. Um, it, it's basically a in-depth discussion about the JFK assassination with a bunch of uh, there are some audio clips but there's a there's a bunch of um, like trial you know testimony that's been well documented and witness witness accounts and things that uh, the Warren Commission decided not to have them testify mm -hmm. there are people who saw things and uh, the Warren Commission was like oh but you didn't see Oswald shoot him from that building over there? Okay, thanks, bye. So why is anyone who doesn't agree with the official narrative immediately dismissed? Although they say, I saw this and I saw it in broad daylight. And this is not to get all conspiratorial about it, but I'm just saying that, you know, you get 10 eyewitnesses who see the same thing and you're going to get 10 different stories. Yeah. But sometimes... You're going to get people who say, well, I didn't see that thing, but I saw this other thing. Okay. Well, what do you got to say? I want to hear it. Um, I've read so many stories of mistaken eyewitness oh, accounts that I don't people have put done, any People have faith done decades in, in prison. And people seen anything anymore. Uh, They're, you know, because you don't remember the exact moment when you remember something you're remembering your memory of that right so the further down the further degraded it becomes and the more and that's why you want to get these people can throw things in there yeah especially if you've heard other people's stories exactly so that's why the best the best eyewitness accounts are the ones you get right after whatever the event is that happens so, yeah, I've been, I've been listening to this podcast, and I decided, you know, I kind of feel like I want to rewatch JFK, the Oliver Stone film. Yeah. I, I think I'm at about the one-third mark, because it's like a two-hour and 45-minute movie. 
I think it's longer than that. I it, thought it was three hours. It could be over three hours, but I, I feel like I'm just getting started, and you know, it's probably fifty minutes in. It was on two VHS tapes. Yeah, back when you had tapes. Yeah. You have to bring this armload of stuff home. I took a date to JFK. Did you? Yeah. That went well, right? No. <laughs> she wasn't into the whole conspiracy thing. Were you at the time? Yeah. And you I've been a fan of the JFK conspiracy for a long time. Can you be a fan of it and not necessarily be super like into it, like invested in it? Oh, I'm not invested in it. See, that's kind of where I'm at. It's like, I just I want to know more about it, and I want to hear more about it, but I, I don't want to be the one shouting from the rooftops. No, I've described it to people. I described it to some people uh, at the bookstore after reading Don DeLillo's Libra, which is an excellent JFK conspiracy book, mm-hmm. um, that JFK conspiracy stuff is my fantasy. Other people like Game of Thrones or The Hobbit. Right. But I have this fantastical vision of 1963. Yeah. It's not real. There's spies everywhere. There's multiple Oswalds. It's a lot of nonsense. Yeah. But for some reason, I find it as compelling as people find, you know, hobbits and dragons or... Absolutely. Questing after whatever, you know. Uh, shadowy FBI agents. Yeah. That's that's perfect. I love that. CIA, Let's have more of that. Yeah, CIA operatives who, who are not working for the best interests of our yeah. elected officials, but rather killing them with <laughs> high-powered rifles. Yeah. But, you know, when, when I hear several different people say they heard gunfire and saw a big puff of white smoke come from that fence over by the grassy knoll several people have said that who didn't hear it from each other i have to think well all you need is a second shooter for there to be a conspiracy of some sort or a hell of a coincidence like you were gonna kill the president i was gonna kill the president Uh, mine was the kill shot that's kind of uh uh the underlying story in libra is it? Is that these guys <laughs> set up, uh, I think they're military intelligence, CIA, I don't remember, but they decide to set up a patsy. And in doing so, while they're gathering their information, they come across Oswald, who is doing basically what they're planning to make somebody look like they have done, you know, so they just kind of let him go. Through his motions. Oh, that's great. It, yeah, it's a great book. It's a lot of fun. If, you, if you're if you into JFK conspiracies, you can tell Don DeLillo is oh, yeah. a nut about it at some level, you know. Have you read the Stephen King one? Yeah, I read the Stephen King one. Um, like all Stephen King, he desperately needs an editor. <laughs> um, I really like the first part of that book, uh, 11-22-63. Uh, I thought it was really good. It's very evocative of the era. I wasn't alive at the time, but Stephen King was. Right. And he writes about it in a way that uh, seems a little more real than most of Stephen King's stuff, you know? Um, of course, he's the lead character, uh, <laughs> an English teacher who's mm-hmm. a writer. Psychic. Wow. Yeah, what, he what, should be a psychic too. What a stretch! Right? Uh, he has a big, big, long section in the book that takes up way too much. That should have just been chopped out. Where he is convalescing in a hospital bed, and you can tell he wrote that to try to work through his his own convalescence mm-hmm. after being hit by a van right. a number of years ago. Um, it's not bad writing as far as Stephen King goes, but boy, does it derail your story. <laughs> and I almost think he threw it in there to derail it, to be like, oh, life doesn't always go as you plan, because right. he was hit by a van. Um, but again, it just, oh, wow. It slams on the brakes and runs over a new English writer. <laughs> <laughs> I sent you a link to that uh, show, which is 
it was all novelty songs about JFK. Oh, did you wow. listen to that? I don't oh, I'll think have I to did. hear that. There's, there's to... several versions of that. There's this one song where it runs through all these coincidences between like uh, Lincoln and JFK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to double back to that. It's it is a very fascinating subject to me, and I also, I don't get so personally involved in it to where things upset me or hurt my feelings or you know make I don't feel emotions based on you know like say you're at a cocktail party and someone says meh it was Oswald lone gunman single shoot single shooter I don't want to like reach over and choke them you know like knock their cocktail out of their hand and punch them in the nose or anything but I do want to hear the point of view of someone who really really believes that and i also want to hear the point of view of someone who says no it was the mafia or the cubans or the cia or whomever the cuban mafia the cuban mafia who secretly worked <coughs> for the cia uh, what was the onion headline like jfk shot from 17 different <laughs> <laughs> people or something yeah there's so much there, though. I mean, that's, that's what I the felt crazy about the, part. The JFK movie, though, it, it was just like everybody. It's everybody. That's what I liked about that movie is they just threw in all of the conspiracies, and it doesn't make a lick of sense. You're just like, what? Why would you no? Know, huh? The kitchen sink and approach. It's the kitchen sink approach, which is a lot of uh, a lot of JFK and a lot of. I guess, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily paranormal, but sort of weirdness, general weirdness is a lot of, it is, you know, given to you in the shotgun approach where they just throw out all these facts at you. Facts, mm -hmm. I'm putting quotes around that. And, you you know, while you're busy tangling with one, they, you know, they're throwing six more out at mm -hmm. you. and Yeah. You know. Yeah, how are you supposed to really wrap your brain around any part of it if you just keep getting more and more stuff thrown at you? But I can watch a documentary about the Kennedys and their history, and I can watch a documentary about the day of the assassination. Like, There's different documentaries about different angles of it, like how it was reported and how everything came across and how the nation reacted. You know, There's a documentary from that perspective and uh documentaries about the warren commission you name it there's there's something there mm -hmm. for for any any angle of it and i will watch any of it and with utter fascination but again a distance from it to where i can't get worked up about it yeah i wasn't alive then uh and i can't get into the the 911 conspiracies the same way at all you know like some people you know, somebody we used to work with got, mm -hmm. I think he ruined his life getting obsessed about it. Yeah, at least temporarily. To him. Yeah, that's a good question. We should try and look him up. You know, he's mm. probably living in a van down by the river. No, but, that's all right. We don't need to look him up. No, probably not. But, uh, yeah, um, well, that's why I say, you know, it's my fantasy, kind of, because I wasn't alive then. Right. And... There was no internet. I'm I'm aware uh, enough of what was going on then to you know you're able to dismiss a large part of it. But I like in entertaining the idea that Oswald, who couldn't drive, showed up the day before the assassination to loudly say, "I'm buying a Cadillac and I'm killing the president," or you know. I'm not, he didn't really say that. Right. But, you know, that's somebody's story that, you know, Oswald was seen at a car dealership buying a car the day before, but he couldn't drive. Was that really Oswald? No, it was probably not really Oswald. No. It's, the, it's the dumb answer, the real answer, the boring answer. But yeah, he, yeah, he, but the fun answer is yes, that was an Oswald. Right. Because there were at least three Oswalds. Right. And Alex Hiddell. Oh, yeah. Is that a fourth one or that number three? Yeah, it's so crazy. And listeners who aren't into this, you should get into it. <laughs> and you should also get into UFOs. Like, no, I could totally understand how uh, biggest mysterious secrets finally revealed, declassified. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>
Exposure. Yes. Colon exposure. You know what we should do? We should write all these words on a bucket of ping pong balls <laughs> and make our own titles. I thought you were going to say we should do a minute by minute review of JFK. <laughs> so we'll be we'll be like dying of old age by the time we get to the end of the movie. Mm. Yeah. 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 That sounds every like a plan. week we'll watch one minute. Um, as far as movies go, that's all I got. It's just JFK. Nice. A third of it. And uh, I feel like there was something else I'm forgetting, but uh, the movie we're talking about this week is 30 Miles from Nowhere. Yes. Did this make you want to buy an A-frame out in the boonies? Uh, it was or, a nice house. Or build one? I think it's kind of a... It's a design that I used to think was kind of dumb. I'd been in a few of them. Mm-hmm. But now that I think about it, it's like, you know... You got loft space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if, if I you're... I think in... it's just to trap the heat yeah. more efficiently. Yeah. And easy to build. I think the easy to build thing is why a lot of people do it. Yeah. Yeah, you just have to have long ladders to start with and then, you know, put a good... Somebody who's really tall. Yeah. Yeah, like Andre the Giant. Yeah. <laughs> Just put, Built a lot of A-frames he did in his spare time. <laughs> yeah. So this one is from 2018. It was uh, directed by Caitlin Collar, and it stars Carrie Preston uh, and a cast of other people who you may not know. Um, Where did we know Carrie Preston from? T- these are all TV people. Yeah. So, uh, she's from uh, True Blood, uh, Good Wife. Um, Claws. True Blood is where I know her. From. Yeah, yeah, you know her from from that one. Um, wow, what a terrible show that turned out to be. Yeah, uh, Robert Patrick Benedict, who plays Larry, was uh, he's best known for having been in Felicity and Supernatural. And there's a comedy called Waiting that's about people working in a restaurant. Um, I have not seen it. I've been told to watch it, but I haven't yet. And, um, yeah, I don't really know any of the rest of the actors. It's about people waiting at the DMV. Yeah. That would be a really interesting concept. Yes, and like 24, one hour is one episode. James Jarmusch should should make that movie. Yeah. Um, 30 Miles from Nowhere. Okay, I chose this because uh, I saw the title. It... uh, it didn't have a bunch of two-star reviews, and I thought, you know what, I'll watch the, the trailer. The trailer looked like they were giving too much away, but I thought it was intriguing, so I watched it anyway. Um, this has an 80% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. What? Based, based on 10 reviews. Oh. And there's at least 10 cast members here, so, you know. <laughs> ah, <laughs> and they only got 80%. <laughs> right. Even still, they yeah. only got 80%. Uh, Kelly Preston's like, nah. So, nah. when this movie started, what were you guys thinking initially? Um, I, 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 I started making notes. I started looking at the time 10 minutes in. Ah. And you had, did you have a load of laundry going? N- I wish. Uh... <laughs> So, uh, yeah, the basic plot is uh, Sylvia loses Max, who's been doing a psychological experiment. They're they're married. And, uh, yeah, and Max has died, and college friends gather for a memorial in Wisconsin, 30 miles from nowhere. Uh Uh-huh. And, uh, anyway, 10 minutes in, my note says, bored and sad. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Exactly, because uh, by this point there's a dead dog, and that's depressing. Yep. And uh, I didn't like any of these people. These people didn't like each other. Um, if uh, you know, from the get-go, they've got the knives out for each other. So why would they come all this way? They don't even like each other. They yeah. don't seem to like the person who's dead. You couldn't make an excuse to get out of this. Yeah. So like, and then and then as soon as they said. Uh, this fellow is running a psychic experiment. I had it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole thing. Yep, you you knew it was. Uh, oh, what was the one with Michael Caine? Uh, death trap. Yeah, you, yeah, you knew it was going to be death trap. Uh, so yeah. Will, how about you? How did how did it start out for you? Uh, well, 
much like Jolien, uh, when the characters are all assholes to one another, I have a real hard time. I thought maybe there would be some... Maybe they had a falling out, but felt the need to come back to Max's funeral because, I don't know, he was the guy who tried to keep the group together or something. I thought there'd be something more there, but no, they were just the older version of the 80s film kids who, uh, you know, who, why they all seem to hate one another in the (laughs) film group in the 80s, in the friends group. And like, why do they hang out with one another? There's like one jock and a nerd and the right. the pretty cheerleader who and it's like, why do these people hang out with one another? Um, so that was kind of off, and I was like, okay. Um, at no point did I believe these people were ever friends. <laughs> um, so they weren't selling it to you. They weren't selling it. I didn't hate all the characters. I hated Larry. Obviously, I think you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, He's pretty loathsome. You know, um, uh, yeah, just not good. Uh, also, like Jolien, once they said that he had done some psychological experiment, um, yeah, yeah, it was like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> and then you were just waiting, and I was waiting for them to have some twist to it that, no, it wasn't a psychological experiment. He really was dead and haunting mm-hmm. the place, or something. But no, they they what, threw up the on. landing lights <laughs> and, and guided the, you know, the plot in just... <laughs> <laughs> for an hour and a half or whatever just waiting for it to land did you watch the trailer first no i feel like i got enough clues from the trailer that <clears throat> i i wanted to avert my eyes from it because it, it, it had to be giving some things away i did not watch the trailer right before watching it but i had seen the trailer I uh, did not realize it until I saw the scene with the bugs. Yeah. For whatever reason, there were cockroaches after she told them there weren't any. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get it. Um, oh, God. This movie. Uh-huh. This movie was terrible. <laughs> terrible. Now, like you, I was immediately rewriting it in my head as I'm watching it. You know, like same Jolien. Yeah, mm-hmm. like... Um, you can't help it. It's like this is competently lit and filmed, and the actors can actually act. And yeah. I saw some some uh, scathing reviews of this where somebody said they can't act. No, nah. they um, they just weren't given good stuff to work with. But um, yeah, I didn't find any of the actors really objectionable. I found their characters and the story they were in. Not believable. Just stupid. Yeah, yeah. The first thing you know, I thought of was, oh, this is this is the big chill, mm. which I don't know why I saw the big chill, and I never wanted to rewatch it, but I saw it back in the day. Yeah, um, it's because it played everywhere forever. Yeah, you ran out of movies to watch, and I, then you ended I'm, up going. I've never to that. seen it. Yeah, I've only seen it because my parents rented it a lot. They were really into that movie. Thank God at some point they replaced that with the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, wow. And we're in at that every weekend. Till the store gave us the tape. <laughs> oh, man. We're the only people renting it. Yeah, they're like, you should just own this. They're like, here, you can have this. We feel yeah, bad just... taking your money. You've, you've more <laughs> than paid for the Rocky Horror Picture Show, they told us. Oh, that's great. So, Yeah, this one... You know, I started watching it, and I'm ever the optimist, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it's just going to mm-hmm. get better. Yeah, yeah. And it just doesn't. And the characters, I don't believe, like you guys, I don't believe that they're actually friends. They don't strike me as... They don't even strike me as people who knew one another. <laughs> right. They strike me as actors that they were given the script and told to go and on shoved, day one. Yeah, shoved them into a room. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched, what was that, April Fool's? Yeah. Uh, where the the group of fin- friends were gathered for the birthday party. I felt those people were closer. Yes. Real friends. 
than this group. I, I can give some advice and, and, you know, unsolicited advice to all movie makers. If you're going to have a group of five or more people who you want the audience to believe they are actually acquaintances, at least, if not friends, just have them stay somewhere together for a weekend and get them good and drunk. Yeah. And if they don't drink, don't hire them. Just hire a bunch of people who will drink. <laughs> they don't drink. They're not an actor. Yeah. What is? What are you saying? There's plenty of films that that they do that. They have the when they want them to be friends, they hang out for two weeks before they film. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. you know you know it's the uh, you want your cast to look harried after the you know being up all night. You film those scenes real early in the morning. Yeah. And they're tired. Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you yeah. ran them ragged for a week. You know. <laughs> they actually did start sobbing and crying for their moms. <laughs> So, uh, next note, 20 minutes in, Norma appears. We've been told that there's this woman on the premises who's senile. Yeah. She's named Norma. And yet, when she appears, there's this completely generic sting on the soundtrack. Yeah. And everyone goes, <gasps> and then they all immediately jump to, uh, it's a ghost. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's just this old woman standing in, in the garden, in the, yeah. in the forest. Um, and then this dog slaps the window, as dogs do in real life. Yes. And there's another generic music sting. Then you never see that dog again. No. No. And that dog's like at the first of the movie. You know, are there dogs? I guess I missed the dog killing. Yeah, there's a, there's a dead dog on the road. Oh, yes, that. She's I remember that. Dogs. She, she that says there's like lots of stray dogs running around. Ridiculous that there some was reason. a giant pile of dead dogs yeah why yeah Yeah. nothing in this movie made any sense well i i will say it it wasn't nonsensical to me but it uh i had a hard time suspending my disbelief that the that they all went for these circumstances uh and like we already said that they were friends in the first place but you know i've had friends who were like not super close friends, but friends who had a wedding and you're dressed and you haven't gotten in the car yet. And you're just like, do we really have to go to this thing? Yeah. Can we get out of this? Yeah. And that's someone you're actually friends with. Um, Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe that could have been a setup where Max is getting married and we put everybody up in the, you know, the cabin. Yeah. And then, you know, weird stuff happens because Max is, getting back at everybody in college for whatever plagiarism nonsense subplot they tried to throw in there yeah. slept with his girlfriend whatever. Uh, or what, whatever they tried to throw something in there that the the one guy who was uh everybody was down on because he seemed like an actual nice guy uh had turned max in for plagiarism in college oh and he had lost a grant Oh no! And they tried to throw that in as some sort of justification for something, yeah. But it didn't go anywhere. It seemed like nobody remembered yeah. it after a while. Uh, I really hated when they went down to the basement and it was clearly daylight outside because <laughs> they didn't want to film in the dark. Right. Um, yeah, way to really blow the the mood of your spooky movie to have a brightly lit wisconsin basement yeah yeah and you know you could if you if you wanted to have people believe the house was haunted uh you could plant some seeds early on about uh how could you afford this kind of house on this kind of acreage well i don't know they were selling it cheap for some reason you know like yeah uh, but no cell service uh it's the, the storm rolls in all that cliche stuff it just wasn't um, wasn't something that, uh, shall I say, made me believe the movie. I, I, if 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 I had to rewrite this, I would have the cell service work. They call a car, still thirty miles yeah. away. Yeah, why not? Yeah, that whatever's out there kills you before the car gets yeah. there, and the guy comes and gets out like an Uber driver, and he's like, "What's going on?" and then. <laughs> He gets a hatchet to the face or something for his trouble, and the movie ends. <laughs> or the road's washed out just before where he can pull up and see you. Mm. Uh, yeah, something. He goes past your house. He misses it because the GPS unit is down or something. Yeah. 
you know yeah there's there's a lot of ways to do that and you yeah you can get around it uh, people always say oh cell phones ruin horror movies no. but they're not transporters right you're still whatever help is still on yeah. their way they're transporters not there ruined star trek episodes yeah <laughs> they did you know, so have somebody call out. Who cares? They could call before you get on the phone. Call nine one one. Cops aren't going to get there before Jason kills you or Michael. I'm, I'm sorry, in. Captain. We have got no cell service here. <laughs> oh man. So, uh, at what point did you realize this was a nosedive and it wasn't pulling out of it? Mm. How far into the oh, movie? It's just. It made there's. On my next note. <laughs> When Max shows up, they immediately assume that he's actually dead. Yes. Again, they go with, oh, it's a ghost. No one saw him die. No one's, it's not an open casket funeral they went to. Right. But the first thing they go to is, oh, it's a ghost. Or, is, or someone's dug him up and, and is playing with the body. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, that's not exactly Occam's razor, is it? No. <laughs> uh, then my next note was yak, 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 yak. Because um, this is like constant talking. It won't allow you to... No atmosphere. And for no, as little a plot no. as there is, it's, it's just constant talking. Um, the sound was weird. Even when they're outside in the forest, it sounded like they're in a room. Oh, I didn't notice that. Or I... Yeah, I didn't catch that. Chose to overlook watch, it, perhaps? But... Uh, Sylvia has a handgun in the forest scene where she's like delivering yet another speech to them. And, uh, she, it's an automatic when they go indoors, it's a revolver. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, it, yeah, it, it's just uh, sloppy. Yeah. And, and, and like, who didn't see the, the ending where, Oh yeah. I, I, I told, uh, like my wife is trained in psychiatry. And, uh-huh. Um, so, She's going to present this as an experiment. She's got a study group of five people. <laughs> That's not going to be published. That's just too small a group. Well, she was doing this every weekend. Yeah. <laughs> she was having people out, bed and breakfasters and whatnot. Yeah. Just happened to be, Max got this great idea like, hey, what if I got all my old college friends with quotes around it out here and we scared the hell out of them for a mm-hmm. while? They're not going to come out here for for anything we say. They will if I say I'm dead. <laughs> All right. That would have been a better movie if you had that conversation in somewhere, you know, like cut back like eight months earlier. Yes. And you have Max sitting around talking about this. Like, you know, and they have, you know, some scene where like oh, at the end of the scene, like, oh, well, we got to go scare these people who are in the bed and breakfast right mm-hmm. now, you know, get the clipboard out and put a mask on or something you know yeah airbnb from nowhere Ooh, i like it yeah i kind of i yeah i kind of have to wonder like did did nobody choose to have their work critiqued by other people who work in this line of i felt and business? I, I felt with all the chatter in this uh that a lot of it was ad-libbed Maybe it was. Improvised, um, but not, they weren't given anything to do. They were just mm. kind of turned loose. Um, but it worked in coherence. Yeah, because they were given clues as to where to go. Like, uh, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm is improv. Oh, is it? But they give you, Larry David's like, okay, well, you know, at some point mention my pants in this conversation. <laughs> And so they'll go along, and you have banter. They're trying to be kind of jokey. And then somebody has to mention his pants, because he has somewhere he's going with it. Right. Um, But this movie felt like they just got a group of people together with a camera and said, okay, you're all old friends. You're in a haunted house. Let's go. And you actually hate each other, and you want to sleep with each other. Yeah, you hate each other, but you want to sleep with one another. I, I felt instead of uh, improvisation, it, it felt like uh, it was an audition to do to work in TV. Mm. Uh, it was filmed like a TV show. It was filmed like a TV and, show, and just the constant gabble, not allowing it to be cinematic. 
And they find the one camera, like, she breaks the cabinet door, and it's, like, in the middle of the cabinet. (laughs) They would have opened the door and seen Uh it. And then they immediately find all the other cameras. Uh Like, no. Like, she walks right over, and she's like, here's one, here's one, here's one. What the? It's like an Easter egg hunt, and the parents didn't bother to hide them very well. Yes. (laughs) Oh, what a terrible movie. Was there anything good about it? Was there anything redeeming that you liked about the movie? The acting was good. I will give it to the acting. Yeah, the acting was good. They needed better material, but the acting... You know? Yeah. uh, I thought... um, I don't remember anybody's names. uh, But I thought the two older ladies were older, I say. but Yeah. uh, I thought they were pretty good. Um... Just, yeah, they weren't given anything to do. Felt kind of bad for the actresses. Like, oh, you've ended up in this. You've, you clearly take it seriously, and you've ended up in this. Well, Jennifer Aniston ended up in Leprechaun, yet she got to do Friends and make millions of dollars. She's a lot younger in Leprechaun than these people are <laughs> in 30 Miles to Nowhere. If they don't want to play witches or grandmothers, it's too late. They're 30. Right. <laughs> There's no old timers club. Um, yeah, so we're at that point where I like to ask you guys, do you recommend this? Heavily. All right, Julian. <laughs> watch it twice. Um, it gets better the second time you watch it. You, you, yeah. you see all the things that you didn't realize yeah. were clues. You realize and- that you were right the first time about <laughs> knowing what how it would end. <laughs> Did, um, before I ask you whether you recommend it or not, uh, did you have any other notes that we should hear? No, I'm... it was just yak yak throwing a reference to King Lear to make it sound profound, but uh, King Lear has nothing to do with this plot. Uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't get that at all. It was like, uh, well, um, Jolian, can, no. you, can you recommend this to anybody? No, nope. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can I say... I wouldn't even recommend it to the people who were in this movie. Uh, okay. I wouldn't recommend it to old college friends that I actually hated. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe. You know, college... I can't say that I had a group of friends... You know, I didn't belong to a fraternity or anything. But I don't feel like I had a group of friends that we went and did everything together. You know, and, and were that tight and whatever it's like i had a couple friends here and a couple friends there and sometimes we were all at the same party but sometimes we weren't um i, I don't feel like there was this group of like six or seven of us it was I, like, I, I did definitely did you yeah okay i'm glad someone did <laughs> but for me it was like yeah i was friends with this couple of people and that couple of people and and uh another group that maybe there were more of them but i wasn't as close to them yeah but still i can't imagine that however many years later this is supposed to be that uh this is supposed to be about 15 years after they've left college so they're about 40 yeah so you've had a falling out with this guy and you don't find an excuse to get out of this funeral i don't know you could just be like i'm gonna send flowers and my condolences uh i'm real sorry Here Mm -hmm. here you go maybe there were twice as many people who were invited but these are the ones that Chose they just really wanted to see Wisconsin. Yeah, the majesty of Free Wisconsin. trip to Wisconsin. In October. Ooh. Yeah. That's, the, the, that's the, when the samurai come out in the forest. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, what was that movie? I'd watch that again. You know oh, what? yeah, I, that was a good one. What was that movie? Uh, Neon Samurai? <laughs> no. no. What was it called? <laughs> um, Something... Bloodbeat? Bloodbeat, Blood yes. That's what it was. Bloodbeat, yeah. yeah now, that, that, was a, that was a great, <laughs> terrible movie. Yeah. yeah. You know? If you're going to make crap, at least make it interesting. <laughs> yeah, this one... Um, I'll tell you who I would recommend this to. People who watch shit like Hocus Pocus, thinking that that's a Halloween movie, it's like, okay, so you want, you want a horror movie that's kind of light? And uh, just watch this. Go ahead. No. 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 Not now. You like Hocus Pocus? You deserve to watch this. No. Uh, nobody should watch this. This would kill Halloween. Yeah. Just, it, yeah. I'm not no. saying someone I care about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, even people I don't care about. 
Yeah, because you don't put them off the this. genre. Yeah. You know, watch something. People you don't want in your genre with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, who cares if they're in the genre? That's true. You know, you're playing people who like, you know, crappy horror movies. Well, um, anything else about this before we call it a show? Um, I can't think of anything. All right. Well, next time you hear from us, we're going to be talking about The Wolf House. And uh, I think that's that's it for this one. And uh, listeners, thank you for listening. Stay out of Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs>